Our reading is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Uh, For those who are new or visiting, uh, let me extend a special invitation. And for those who are here as part of our community, welcome to 10 o'clock, our church. Uh, We are continuing our series, before we start the vision series next week, uh, we're continuing our series on attitudes that build community. Uh, Last couple of weeks we talked about being faithful, last week we talked about being supportive, and this week we're going to talk about being patient. So I have to ask the question, who's patient? Hands up if you're a good, patient person. Who's not? uh, Do you know how I know I'm not patient? Because I'm not. Um, Is when I drive. Do you know you want to get from one place to the other and people get in the way of that? Well, they don't, yeah? Yeah? Uh, The other place I'm not patient is when I stand in a queue. Um, I have this spiritual gift of not picking the right line. If there is like a line, if I get in one, it's going to stop and then the other line's going to shh. So then I move over and then... Is anyone else? Yeah? And I'm going... Yep, yep, you're with me. Um, so this morning, we're going to continue our series on being patient. Um, can you guess what the moral of the sermon will be then? Be patient. Do we need to be more patient? Let's be patient, yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone uh, said uh, the, good, the, good, the best way of the, of the three-point sermon is this. Uh, God is good, you're bad, repent. Uh, uh, so I guess we could do this sermon and say, Be pa- God's patient, you're not, do better. That's not what we're doing this morning, by the way. I want to make that very clear. We're going to talk about patience, but we're going to look at this passage that uh, James has just read. Uh, Simone actually prayed through in her prayer, which I really appreciate. Uh, and we're going to see how this passage, think about our attitudes, uh, patience and beyond that, um, really affect the community that we're in. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that God's Spirit is going to speak through his word to us. Uh, so would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this six verses from Ephesians. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be in me, would be in us, and as we look at your word, that you would speak to us, Lord. Uh, that your spirit would convict us, uh, that your spirit would help us to know you more, to understand you and how it means to live uh, in community. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we are, as we go through, as I said, we are in thinking about these attitudes. Uh, and one of the things I want to say uh, is that when it comes to patience, when it comes to any attitudes, our attitudes come from who we are. And if you are in this room and you have had a point in your life where you said, I'm trusting Christ, 
Um, not everyone in this room is in that place. Some people are coming to church. You're part of our church. You're still trying to work out, do I believe this? Am I on board with this? We love that you're here. Keep on that journey. Uh, but if you're in that point of, yeah, I'm, I'm trusting in Christ, uh, if you're at that, that point, then that change of trusting in Christ has to change who we are. Uh, like, I'm, a, I'm not married. I'm a single person. And as a single person, I live a certain way. If I get married, that's got to change how I live. Who I am changes how I live. Attitudes come from who we are. So if I become a married person, it means I can't spend all my money on whatever I want anymore. We've got to do that as a couple. It means how I spend my time has to be figured out as a couple. It means all these aspects of my life, I have to actually have to live now in light of the fact that I'm married. I lived one way, but when I got married, I had to live a new way. When we come to Christ, it affects the way we live. My attitude has to now reflect my new status in Christ. That, as a Christian, I change and I have to live a new way. But it also means coming to Christ affects the way we live in community. When we come to Christ, it means the way we, as a church, as God's people, relate to each other has to be different. It actually is different. And when we come to this passage uh, in Ephesians, uh, Paul, in the, first, uh, in the first couple of chapters, wants firstly reminds the Ephesian church who they are. So when we get to this passage, he's going to talk about what our attitude needs to be, but it comes from who we are. And I describe chapters 1 to 3 as like going to the old fish and chip shop and getting a hamburger with a lot. Does anyone go, like, does anyone go for the hamburger with a lot? Why do I talk about food every week? I don't know. Um, I don't know if you remember these old school hamburgers and you go there and they give you every single thing that you need and you think you've had enough and it's, everything's on the burger. Uh, when I was in America, they have even bigger ones. They're like this big and there's so much, every, it's disgusting. But it's all on there. Ephesians 1 to 3 is like God's just given us this ham with a lot. When you read that, and I encourage you, if you need encouragement, go read that. Because 1 to 3, Paul is reminding the Ephesians who they are. And he just lists and lists and lists what God has done to who they now are. I've picked uh, a number of them. They're so small you can't even see them on the screen, but I want you to know I didn't make them up. But are you ready? Let me read out this hamburger with a lot of all the things that Christ has done for us. And go read this yourself. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. He has chosen us in him before the creation of the world. He's predestined us for adoption to sonship. We have redemption through his blood. We are forgiven of our sins. We now know the mystery of his will. He's made us alive with Christ when we were dead. Is that not enough? He's raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We have been saved through faith, not from ourselves, but through his gift. We who are once far away from God are now with God, he came to us and preached to us who were far away, brought peace to us. We all have access to the Father now through his Spirit and we are all being built together to become one dwelling in which God lives. Is that not enough? That's not even all that chapters 1 to 3. 
what Paul, he's overwhelming us in chapters 1. If you just need, like, who am I again? Get into Ephesians 1 to 3. Be rem- this is all that God has done for us. But when we get to chapter 4, it's like, in light of that, this is, has to be our attitudes now as a community. And what Paul does, he comes uh, to this first step. He comes and he reminds them, in light of all that Christ has done, and then he says, in light of who I am as a prisoner, this is, the attitude, this is what the attitudes need to be. And also in light of the unity that we all have. We're going to talk a bit about unity. But Paul says, look in uh, verse 1 there, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Not only does he urge them because of what Christ has done, but he's using his current status. Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians from Rome. Uh, He calls himself a prisoner. We don't know exactly where he wrote it. It's a good chance he was under house arrest. Later on, uh, when he wrote it, later on Paul was in prison. Uh, I recently got to visit one of the prisons in Rome. You can go see this. It's called the Mamertine Prison, uh, where one of the prisons that Paul was apparently in. You can imagine this, uh, the sound desk. Imagine the sound desk is the diameter of this room. The prison where Paul was in was a round room and the only way in was a hole in the top. And they would put uh, political prisoners or people who could threaten the government. Paul got in here. Peter's also reputed to be in this prison. Can you imagine the dread, the gloom, nobody there? But Paul, as a prisoner, knew what it meant. He knew that to come to Christ men a change of attitude. And Paul wasn't ashamed to be a prisoner. Paul embraces of being a prisoner. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul knew that when you're in prison, you're a complete captive. You can't do your own thing anymore. He recognised that if I'm a follower of Christ, that means I have to be serious about it. And he's encouraging the Ephesians, I'm serious about this. Look at me being serious about this has taken me all the way to prison. So I'm serious that when you come to Christ, that's a change of status. If that means even going to prison, that's, that's what we have to do. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Take my word for it, says Paul. He refers to himself twice as that prisoner in the letter of Ephesians. As a prisoner, I urge you then to live, up to the, live a life worthy to the calling you've received. Another translation is live up to the calling by which you've been called. What's that calling? It's to be... In, live up to that relationship. Live up to all those things that I've just talked about. Uh, and so he goes on and he says, Therefore, be completely, in light of all this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Look at these things. All of these things are ways that we relate to each other. All of these things, being humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love, are ways that we relate to each other. Also, worth noting, uh, uh, humility, gentleness, patience, these are love, these are fruit of the Spirit. These, because of what Christ has done for us, these are actually what Christ is doing in us. This is why I say, I don't want you to go away and say, therefore I have to be more patient, because Langdon got up and said, I have to be more patient, makes me a good person. These are actually what God is doing in us. So let us, let these things go. Let them out. Grow them. Uh, encourage those things in your own heart, but also in us as a community. We want to say we value these things. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
Let's have a look at this. Being humble. We actually talked about this a bit last week. Um, humble means having a deep sense of who you are, of your moral lowliness. Uh, we talked about this last week. One of the things we all have in common is we all sin. We, are all, we all sin. None of us are better than the other. We all struggle with sin. We all sin. Uh, we all don't live up to God's standard. We never, none of us ever will. We have that all in common, common. But we also, if we're in Christ and we're trusting in him, we have a rescue from sin. So we've all been rescued. We're all in the same boat. We all have sin, but we all have this amazing rescuer uh, that God sent Jesus to be our rescuer. So we're all in the same boat. It means that when we come together in community, none of us is better than the other person, which means I'm not better than the other person uh, if I don't struggle in a certain area, and they do. We are actually all in it together. Therefore, when we come together, none of us can say we're better. Therefore, when we come together, we can be humble with each other. Um, There's a, a beautiful thing about Christian community that we can actually be humble. And that means that if we're all in the same boat, it means that uh, we're not better than the other person and it means that we don't need to run our own race. We run our own race not as individuals, but we actually run our own race together. We're all in the same boat. We actually recognise humbly, I need you, you need me. We talked about this last week. And when we're humble with each other, we can actually learn from each other. We can grow from each other. Proverbs talks about iron sharpening iron. We can develop each other. It's a recognition, humility is a recognition. We don't have it all together. We can learn from each other, we can grow, and we need each other. It's a beautiful part of being in community. Paul encourages be humble and also be gentle. Gentleness is... Uh, Using moderation. Gentleness is not exerting our full strength. So being gentle in the way that we deal with each other means that when we're around each other, it doesn't mean we rush in and uh, with each other. It means that we can actually be gentle. It means thinking first, taking a step back, and if we, it's not being forceful with each other. It's not enforcing our own opinion or our own ways of how we should do life. It's actually, as we approach each other as a community, let's practice actually being gentle with each other. That's really hard. Some people are task-focused like me. Come on, let's do this. We need to do this and you need to get on board. Not everyone wants to move like that. I actually need to be gentle. I actually think this is really uh, important as we think about our Vision 2020 is how do we build a community of grace being gentle actually really helps us be gracious with each other. Be gentle. And it's something we try to do. Let's keep on doing it. Let's try to be gentle, considering how we would want to be treated in those situations. Then Paul says, be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. I read a description of this, being patient. See if this resonates. Patience is the exercise of a largeness of soul that can endure annoyances and difficulties over a period of time. In our community, I'm sure this is not... Has anyone ever annoyed anyone else? Anyone in this community? We ever... No, never. I've, I've never annoyed anybody. Man, no, no great, no. Um, the joys of being in community is that we actually will annoy each other. It's going to happen. 
we're actually in it together. It means that we don't all think the same, a lot of us think differently, but we're actually all in it together and we need uh, that patience. We live in a society that uh, we expect immediate gratification. So when we come to our community, we expect that things are going to happen straight away. As a community, one of our attitudes is we actually want to value being patient uh, with each other. Uh, Paul says, bear with one another in love. The love he's talking about there is the agape love. Uh, That is the love that's by a choice, it's by will. It's actually choosing to say, I'm going to be patient and I'm going to bear with each other. That's hard on a Sunday. I don't know what plays out for you on a Sunday morning or during the week. Maybe you come on a Sunday morning, maybe you're flat, maybe you're, you, know, you just made yourself get here but you weren't feeling up to it and you walk in and then you see someone who needs some love and you're like, I've got nothing to give. And if you go and have a chat or you see someone or you know, if you give love, it's a huge sacrifice. Maybe being in community is going and visiting that sick person or that hurting person. It means stepping away from your family. It's a sacrificial thing. It might mean stepping away from your family in some way. Maybe it's saying, you know what, oh, I've got to go clean the toilets. I'm going to jump on the roster, on one of the church rosters. I've got to do something I don't want. This being patient, bearing with one another in love, it can cost us. It can cost us, but it's a beautiful thing. Sometimes I'm impatient, sometimes, a lot of the time, uh, I'm impatient because I want to move quicker, either in my driving or my thinking on a certain issue, and I'm like, come on people, hurry up, catch up to where I'm at. But part of being in community is actually going on the journey together, being patient with one another in love. We need to have patience. And you know what? It's a quality of God. God's patient. It reflects God's character as we're patient. And I appreciate when people are patient and bear with me. Yeah? Do you appreciate it? When pe- Sometimes we do this really well. I've seen in our church, um, people have got sick. You know, a lot of people have different stories of the way the churches, people at the church have gathered around. But we need to bear with each other, particularly not just the people we like. When we come together in community, we come in unity in Christ, there's Heaps of different people here. Some of us don't even know each other. How can we bear with each other if we don't even know each other? Bearing with each other is that about getting together and saying, we're actually going to get together, I have to know you, and I'm going to go through life with you. It's, it's that commitment uh, to be able to do that, bearing with each other. Let's just encourage each other in this. Paul goes on in verse 3, then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. I don't know if you ever think about this. I don't know when you come to church and you go, what, 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 am I coming to, what am I thinking about when I come to church? Do you ever consider the high importance Paul has on unity? Do you ever go, what can I do? To, I don't know if we value this. Maybe we do. I don't know if we ever think about it consciously. But do we value unity is a really important part of being in a church? Where does our unity come from? Paul talks about it in the next verse. He says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and is all. The body that Paul's talking about is 
Christ's church. We are part of the body. We're part of the body here at Fig Tree. We're part of Jesus' church, Christ's body around Wollongong. I love this morning that as we meet down at the Lighthouse they're meeting, down at Shohaba Community Church, down at the Community Centre in Unidera's little church meeting, St Teresa's meeting down the road. The body of Christ comes all over the world. Within this 24-hour period, people are meeting as the body of Christ. All over the, we are part of that big body and we are part of the body of believers here in this fig tree community. What brings us together? What's our unity? Is it the fact we all like to get up early on a Sunday morning and sing songs? No. A lot of us do. It's the fact that we are all saved by the same God. We're all trusting. We all have one spirit. The Holy Spirit that is at work in the guys and all the other churches is the same Holy Spirit that's working in me and has worked in you to do all the things that Paul's done for us, that Paul described earlier, that God has done for us. We all have one Lord... He's in charge, one faith, the content of our faith, trusting in Christ is the same, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. For those who are trusting in Christ, we are part of Christ Jesus' body. We're all in it together and our unity is through Christ. That's what we have in common. We have a million, lots of differences, we have lots of diversities, Shane did a great sermon a couple of weeks ago about this idea of koinonia. We come because we are united in what Christ uh, has done. We're all one. We all have the same beliefs. We're all called into Christ together. We're not solo. We are all different in amazing ways. Different in form and experience and thoughts and personality and yearnings. But we are all one. To believe in the gospel is to enter into that unity. Christianity is a shared faith. To enter in is to enter in together. God doesn't have separate plans of salvation. God's one plan of salvation was actually through the Lord Jesus. That's the same for all of us. We are one. So therefore, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. This is not only important to Paul. I'm really blown away. This is important to Jesus. One of the things that really strikes me is when Jesus uh, is going to the cross, during that last supper, uh, he pray. we get a bit of an idea of Jesus and he prays. And he prays for the disciples. He prays for the future church. But look in John 17, 11, This is one of the prayers that Jesus prays. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Then he says this, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. As Jesus is praying for his disciples, he sees a threat. He sees one of the, the key way that Satan wants to work within the church is to divide, is to bring disunity. Jesus prays. You know it's important. It's one of the last things Jesus prays. He's praying for us too. May they be one. He goes on to say, may they be one so that the world may know uh, that you've sent me. May they be one. He sees that, he sees unity as a core thing, which I think is why Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
Where does that peace come from? It comes from what Christ has done on the cross. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul writes, talking about Jesus, he is our peace. He's the peace that brings us together. He's the one that's made the two groups one. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He's brought these two different groups together in Christ. If God can do that through Jews and Gentiles, do you think he can do it amongst us as a community here at Victory? I think so. Uh, He's destroyed the barrier that separates us because when we all have our unity in Christ, that's the thing that, that keeps us together. The dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations... His purpose was to create himself one new humanity of the two. And Fig Tree, us as a church, we're a small reflection of how God is doing that in the world. Thus making peace. Uh, And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, through his death and resurrection, as we trust in Jesus. So make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, Anna and I were talking about this and she suggests it's like going on a jet ski. Does anyone, has anyone ever been on a jet ski? Confession 101, I've never been on a jet ski, so if this analogy fails, you know. Um, but apparently, imagine you're on a jet ski and there's you and there's a passenger. Or actually, you be the passenger, okay? The idea is, when you're on a jet ski, maybe it's like a skateboard, you lean in. So if you want to go left, you lean to the left. And if you want to go right, you le- turn the hand, you lean. Is that right for anyone who's been on jet ski? You've got to lean into it. And I'm told, if you go over a wave, if you're hanging on the back, you actually lean into the driver. But if you are on the jet ski, if you lean, if the driver is going to the right, and then you lean to the left, it's gonna, you're going to fall off. It's going to be, you're going to get wet. Maybe the jet ski will crash. You've got to lean in the same direction. And you've got to hang on to the driver. I actually think it's like our unity bit. For us, I think Paul's encouragement is, we actually need to hang on to unity. And that means we might want to go to the left, but maybe we need to swing to the right for the sake of unity. Our unity is in Christ. We don't let go of that. We don't change that. But maybe we want to go to the right. Maybe there's a way. We actually have to lean in. And that's, self, that's a bit self-sacrificial. But make every effort. Are there, and thinking about, are there areas of disunity? Maybe I actually need to let, I need to, what can I do to actually hang on to that unity? I think this is really pertinent, especially because we are living now in a really polarised culture. Increasingly, aren't we? Uh, a, few, a, couple, a year or two ago, uh, or a couple of years ago, uh, I had a group uh, of Americans in Fiji uh, for a couple of weeks um, doing a whole lot of Christian ministry. And I brought uh, mostly conservative churches, uh, Protestant churches they were from. Uh, and I have a pastor friend who's from a Pentecostal church. And he is an amazing, I just love this guy. He's got a strong depth of relationship with God. Um, beautiful man. But he's from a Pentecostal church. So I invite him to come and do a 20-minute devotion one morning. When some of our American students found out at the beginning of this talk, he introduced himself and I run the Pentecostal church, they tuned out. They're like, and I asked them later, they're like, you know, I'm sorry, he said he was from that church and, you know, uh, they've got some different beliefs. I just tuned out. I didn't listen to a word he said after that. And I found that really sad. We have lost as a culture that we don't even sit in, if someone disagrees with us, we're now at the point we don't even stay in the same room. We don't look for the things that we have in common and 
we miss out on all the benefits that people have who have a different point of view to us. I was really sad because uh, my pastor friend is a beautiful Christian man who's trusting in Jesus. He will definitely have different views on things and different experiences, but does that mean he's got nothing to give? He's got nothing we can learn from? I think this same plays out in our society. I think it plays out in our church too. Where we actually go, you know what, you're different in some way, I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna engage with you. I've got no, there's no benefit to me being with you, so why would I listen? That's what our, that's what our culture's doing around us. I think Paul is actually calling this out. I think this is a really relevant word for us. Going, actually, no. As a Christian community, in light of what Christ has done, we actually need to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. What can we do to keep that unity of the Spirit? And maybe it's for us to examine ourselves and say, where are the areas, where are the cracks of disunity in our church? Where are the cracks appearing? Where are the te- where? And therefore, what can we, what's our part to play in that? If, there's a, if we have a piece of the pie in that, what can we do about that? What can we do to create unity in our church? It's always going to be the threat. It's Satan's number one way. But Paul's saying, make every effort you can in light of what Christ has done. I know that sometimes we have unity because we've been hurt or uh, things have happened, there's history. I don't want to cheapen that. But I also want us to go, it's a value of us as an attitude. It's an attitude, it's a value for us to actually come together. And it may mean having to come and examine ourselves. It might mean asking, have I forgotten what Christ has done in me? Have I forgotten my new status, who I am now? Have I let my own interests become more important than the body of Christ? Am I, maybe the question I ask is, in thinking about that, can I be more humble? Will that help create unity? Can I be more gentle? Will that create unity? Can I be more patient, bearing with one another? Will that help create unity? See, when we are actively uh, looking to develop God's gifts in us, it doesn't just benefit us, it's actually to benefit each other. So if I'm not developing God's gifts in me, it's going to affect us as a, you as a body. And that goes for all of us. What can we do in ourselves? What's our part to play in developing uh, this unity? If God wants to do these things in us, if God wants to create unity, is there a part in us that actually says, you know what? No. I'm not a part. I, I, I want to create unity, but I'm not going there. I can't do that. If this is not just our work, but if this is what God wants to do in us who are trusting him, are we putting a blocker? Are we blocking that and saying, no, I'm not letting you do that? Or are we letting God's spirit work in us? This morning, I don't, this is not me, this is not a moral sermon of, you know, be more patient, be more, you know. This is what God wants to do. Are we letting God do that? Are we letting God do that? I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God that he's going to keep showing us Reminding us what he's doing in us. Helping us to be more unified. Do you want to pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this morning. We can look at this word from Ephesians. 
Only a few verses, Lord, but man, there's a lot to think about. And man, it raises a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of stuff. Father, would you remind us, God, this morning, this weekend, maybe this afternoon we go back, we read Ephesians, but would you remind each and every one of us of all the amazing things you've done in us, you've done for us through Jesus, of who we are now in you. And I pray, God, that in light of that, show us what does that mean for us? What are the attitudes that need to shape us, Lord? God, show us where are the areas of disunity in our community. God, what's our part in that? Would you do your work in our hearts? Father, give us that longing for unity. Give us that longing to actually be humble, be gentle, be patient, to bear with each other. Unify us together, Lord. Keep doing that work in us, Lord. Keep helping us to be patient, bearing with one another in love. Would your work keep on doing that us, that in us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.